0: Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is using Adventure Church to speak into your life. If you would like to support Adventure Church financially, you can do so online and help us bring messages just like this one to you each and every week. Now let's prepare our hearts to hear a word from God. Well, what's up, Adventure Church? It's so good to finally uh, see this in person. I've stalked you from afar. Uh, for, for many years on social media and Kyle and I have been friends for years and, and I just, I, I kind of want to take just a minute and remind you of how blessed you are. Uh, I'll, sh- I'll tell you a really depressing stat that you don't fall into. Uh, did you know that in America over 80% of churches are either plateaued or declining? And so I I want you to, I want, I came to remind you of how blessed you are today to be in a vibrant, life-giving, growing church, not just growing, but like crazy growing. You, you know, you guys are a problem if you want to be honest with me, you guys are problems Um, and you're creating really good problems. And I don't know if you've ever been on a cruise ship before, but you can be anywhere on a cruise ship and you don't, you don't really understand how this boat's working but you know that there's somebody standing somewhere at the helm of a ship making sure that, that everything is on the right path. And and although Kyle did the right thing and gave all glory to God, and that's really who gets all the glory, but also all through scripture, you will never find God doing something without man. Uh, and you will never find God doing something without uh, giving some sort of leadership capacity to somebody. And I want you to know, and you already know this, I don't need to tell you, but you are incredibly blessed to have one of the greatest leaders uh, in America, I know Pastor Kyle and Jess, they're amazing people, and you can rest assured that they are full of the Holy Spirit. God is plowing this church forward, and it's just getting started. You guys are just getting warmed up for what God, you should. That's, that's the part where you should clap, like you're just getting warmed up <laughs> for what God's about to do. And so, hey, if you've been kind of one of the people that attend church here and it's cool and you like it, and, and but you've yet to give yourself to it, can I just encourage you? You will never make a better investment. Thank um, than to give your life to the body of Christ that, you know, the Bible refers to the church as the bride of Christ. What better thing could you give your gifts and talents to than the bride of Christ? And so I encourage you with that. Love you guys so much. My wife is with me, Michelle, uh, the most beautiful woman on the planet. And we, uh, have been married for, oh shoot. Uh, you as a man, before you say that you're supposed to be doing the math in your head. So I'm talking right now with some filler space, but I'm actually doing math in my head right this second. This June, we'll be married 17 years. See how I did that? I just delayed for a second. 17 years, and we have a 10-year-old daughter, her name's Corey, and a 7-year-old son named Jace, and we just loving life and uh, leading Victory Church in Oklahoma City, and it's an honor to be with you guys. I love the name of your church. The name of your church is Adventure Church, in case you didn't know, and... Um, <laughs> I love that that name because really we're all on some sort of an adventure. You guys are on an adventure as a church, but you're also on an adventure individually. And there's there's every part of a journey or an adventure. There's ups and downs and bumps and bruises. And that's kind of what I want to talk to you about today. And I want to bring a message to you today that I believe will encourage you. You won't think it will in the first 10 minutes, but I'm going to get to some encouraging parts. Um, Because really, we're all on some journey. And there's this psalm in Psalm 84. You maybe have read through this at some point in your life if you've read the Bible through. And chances are you read right through this. Many times when we read passages of Scripture that don't fully make sense we just kind of, oh, that was nice, next verse, you know, (laughs) like we just don't understand it. And this is kind of one of those verses, but as I begin to study this, God really began to reveal to me some amazingly beautiful things in the context of this verse. So my prayer is that you'll never read Psalm 84 again in the same way, and every time you stumble across Psalm 84, you'll remember the context of this message, and that's my prayer. So if you have your Bibles, you can go to Psalm 84, verse 5. Psalm 84, verse 5, and I'm going to read verse 5 through 7. It says this. It says, blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. And we don't really understand this word pilgrimage. We think of pilgrims and Thanksgiving, and then we get hungry. And Turkey, oh, I'm hungry. But, But really, there's something happening here. This word pilgrimage in the Hebrew is the Hebrew word masayla, and it means a journey, a highway, a path or a courseway. I like the word courseway because it, it, anytime you're on a course, it means that you're set on a destination. And we think of it as being, okay, I'm set on the pilgrimage. I'm set on the, on the destination. But this verse is interesting because it says it doesn't say blessed are those who are set on the destination. It says blessed are those who are set on the pilgrimage, on the journey. That person is blessed. And it goes on to say this in verse six. It says, as they pass through The Valley of Baca. So then it begins to show us what this journey is going to incorporate, what it's it's going to include. As they pass through the Valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. And they go from strength to strength until each appears before God in Zion. So I want to talk to you for just a little bit today on this, this subject. It's worth the wait. It's worth the wait. And I'm not going to be necessarily be talking about completely about the weight, W-A-I-T, which it does involve that too, but it's worth the weight, W-E-I-G-H-T. Let's pray and then we'll dive in for a little bit. Father, thank you for the opportunity that we share to be in your presence and there's no better place to be. Uh, So, Father, we turn to the one source. The the world turns to a lot of places uh, for truth. Some people turn to the news media, some people turn to social media, some people turn to other people or individuals, but really we're called to go to the place that we're going to right now. It's your word of God. And so may we find truth, may we find encouragement, may we find the the substance we need. God overcome my weaknesses and my inabilities uh, to speak to your people through me. In Jesus' name, amen. So before you ever go on a journey or a pilgrimage, you kind of have to weigh in. You have to figure out what all is this going to involve. Uh, what, where are we going? What do we need to take with us? you gotta, You got to have this moment of weighing in. Before there's ever a fight, before, before two boxers ever hit the ring, they do a weigh-in. You see them do this where they awkwardly get up and not enough clothes and flex, and you're like, this is weird. Why are we watching this? You know. They, they do this weigh-in before the fight. And so we gotta, We got to go through this process. Look at your neighbor and say, how much do you weigh? Don't you dare say that. What are you thinking, people? I saw some guys literally lean over to their wife and almost say, how much do you weigh? If I told you to jump off of a cliff, would you do that too? Like, are you, that's a really bad question to ask anybody ever. Don't, don't ever ask that question no matter what anybody says. You tells you. Okay, let's ask it in a more appropriate way, okay? So, so lean over to your neighbor and say, what is weighing on you? What's weighing on you? What, what weight are you carrying? What, what heaviness are, are you challenged by today? And that's what I, what I, what I want to talk about today because really... Every every single one of us at some point in our lives, at some point in our journey, something is weighing on us. And that's why, that's when this message became to come very clear to me because when I read that passage, I'm kind of one of those guys that when I read the Bible and I don't understand it, I want to because there's rich context there. And when I say, you know, in the the Bible, names mean something. And so when when I read it and it said, as we travel through the Valley of Baca, my first question was, well, what's the Valley of Baca? And so the Valley of Baca translated literally means Valley of Tears, Valley of Sorrow. And so this Bible instantly pulls me into it and makes it relatable because there's parts of my life where I'm walking through this Valley of Baca. And this Valley of Baca, in this text, when you look at it, it was a valley that they would go through towards the cities of refuge. So they were on a destination. They had set the course to a destination destination. Some theologians believe that many of the people on the outskirts of town of Jerusalem had to go through the Valley of Baca to get to Jerusalem. So Jerusalem was the place that they had set their minds to. It was the city of refuge. But they had to go through this valley to get there. And this particular valley, the Valley of Baca, you can research this valley. It's all all over the place. It, it, it 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 was a very difficult place to live. It was dry. It was like a desert. There were thorns and briars, no flowers. It was full of snakes and vipers and a lot of treacherous ground and rough terrain and rough territory. But these individuals knew that in order to get where they were going to be, the cities of refuge, they had to walk through this Valley of Baca. And if you've lived life on this earth for any amount of time, you've been through a valley before. You've been through the Valley of Baca. And if you haven't, you you probably will be. Sorry to be Debbie Downer there. But But we live in a fallen world, and so there's parts of this world that just don't make sense to us. So there's times where we're called to walk through this valley, this valley of tears, this valley that doesn't make sense. And so what I want to talk about for just a little bit is is what do we do in this valley? What are the five attributes of valleys or the five aspects or characteristics that help me understand the valley so that I can walk through it? So the first thing, if you're taking notes, that every valley involves is the weight. W-A-I-T. And this is like a cuss word in our, in our culture. Like, that's a four-letter word that nobody... It started with microwaves, y'all. That's when it went wrong. <laughs> microwaves, and, uh, and then cell phones, and email, and I was meeting with them. We have like 36 interns at our church, and I got a side note. I was telling them a story the other day, and I was like, I was talking to them about investing money. And I was like, you would never invest in beepers, right? And I just saw this blank stare go over every one of their faces, yeah. like... Thinkers. and I was like you know pagers and they were like n- no n- nothing nothing and so I had literally had to explain to these guys that were like 20 years old I really begin to feel old what a pager was and I was like yeah somebody pages you and your it beeps and then you had to pull over to a payphone. and they were like what <laughs> they were like <laughs> mind blown so but there's always this aspect like like we don't want to wait on anything like look at Amazon Prime right we should say amen for Amazon Prime. It's the greatest invention <laughs> since all time. But now it's going from two days. If your city is lucky enough to have one of these new hubs they're building all over America, in some cities, they're going to guarantee one hour delivery. One hour, like with a drone. Not a human being. They'll send a drone to your house and drop the package off. We don't like this idea of waiting. Our culture rejects it. Like, like If we don't have to go to a book anymore and flip open the pages, we can just go, hey, Siri. You know, we're watching TV and we want to know how old uh, somebody on TV is. Hey Siri, how old is Donald Trump? Like me, me saying how. Hey Siri, like most of your phones right now are going ding, like. Hey Siri, because it's just it's, we don't we don't like to wait, but but for some reason, for some crazy reason, in the kingdom of God, um, waiting is always a part of it. That it's in the waiting that God is crafting and shaping us and making us into what we have been struggling with. And, and, you know, in a, in a room of this size, there's always at least a few of you that have your own Valley of Baca, you know, and, and you're walking through a valley of your own and it's, it's heavy, isn't it? Like, it's just, it's difficult. So it really doesn't matter what your valley is, um, you know, some of you, uh, maybe, you're, maybe you're waiting on your marriage to to heal. Maybe, maybe you're waiting on your finances to come into order. Maybe you're waiting for your career to finally, maybe you started a business and it's just been churning and you've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And for some reason, a part of the valley is this process of waiting. But I love this text because it puts it into perspective when it says, blessed are those, blessed are the people who, which means it's, it's, it's situational. It means you have to do this in order to find the blessing. And it says, blessed are those who have set their hearts. I've, I've shifted my thinking. I've shifted my perspective. I've shifted the way my heart ticks and the way my mind thinks to say, blessed are those whose hearts are set not on the destination but on the journey. That, that God wants to do something in the journey itself. In fact, this word, these words set their hearts in the Hebrew is the Hebrew word levav, and it means resolution, determination, a seat of emotion and a seat of courage, that there's something happening. I become resolute. I set a resolute. I become, I have this new courage to set my heart towards the pilgrimage, and God wants to do something in the pilgrimage too, that God is just as present with me in the Valley of Baca than than he is whenever I get to the destination in which God's taking me. And so, Number one, we have the weight, W-A-I-T. And then go on in verse 6, it says, as they, who's they? They is us, (laughs) you and me, as we pass through the Valley of Baca. So you got the weight, the W-A-I-T. And then you've got number two, you've got the weight, W-E-I-G-H-T. Because the Valley of Baca literally means the Valley of Tears. It's so heavy. It's so weighty. It's so difficult that it brings me to my knees. And it says, blessed are they that as they walk through this journey, as they pass through, and this is the best news, this is the best news, that you're passing through, that we're just passing through the pain, we're passing through to the other side, that God doesn't say, blessed are those who are stuck in the Valley of Baca, no, blessed are those who are passing through the Valley of Baca, and there's a weightiness to it, there's a weight And if you've ever had to carry a weight, you know what I'm talking about. I really don't even have to describe it. The weight of your marriage, the weight of your finances, the weight of your loss, the the heaviness that you feel in this journey, you begin to, to understand this weight that is being spoken of. And I want you to understand in the context of this verse, the weight that they're feeling. So I started over in verse five, but if you flip back to verse two, verse two says this, my soul yearns. It even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Now this word yearns in the Hebrew is the Hebrew word kalah, and it means to waste away, to be exhausted, to be spent. And it says my soul is exhausted. You know what your soul is? Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's your soul. You know, you have a spirit, but you have, you have soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. And what the psalmist is saying is that my mind is exhausted. My will is at the end. My, my hope, everything that, that, that I feel is gone. And this is the pain. And this is the context of this passage, that this passage demands that we relate to it. And it's in the relating of this text where I then find the hope. I know this has been a depressing message so far, but I I had to draw you in. I had to make the text real. I had to make it so relatable that you're like, wow, I get that now. The Valley of Baca. Like before I thought it was Chewbacca, like it was Star Wars or something. I thought it was some, but now I understand. It's like the Valley of Tears. It's it's relatable. It's, it's, It's drawing me in and and, you know, we can put on a face and we can be good. How are you doing? Oh, I'm blessed. I'm, God is good. But on the inside, we are trudging through the valley of Baca. All of us. All of us. And maybe your valley of Baca is, is more difficult than others, and it's really not about comparing because every valley of Baca in its context to your life is painful and it hurts. So, so this, this is where we find ourselves, that the weight, the, the W-E-I-G-H-T, the W-E-I-G-H-T of, of waiting, W-A-I-T-I, uh, W-A-I-T-I-N-G, has left me wanting. Like just, there's just something that, that I'm not getting because the weight of life and the waiting on God has left me to this place. Now, okay, I'm going to flip and start being good, good news, okay? So this is the good news. Let, let's go to the next verse. The next verse in verse 6. It says, as they pass through the Valley of Baca. Watch this. They make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. So number one, you've got the weight, W-A-I-T. And then you've got number two, the weight, W-E-I-G-H-T. And then number three, you've got the work. The work. In, in, the, in, the, in the King James Version, that, that scripture, reads, scripture reads like this. It says, who passing through the valley of Baca. I love this. Make it a well. Make it a well. The very dry place the very place of hopelessness, the very place of danger, the very place where I don't think there's any hope left, God says it's in that place that I want you to make it. Make it. Have you ever been in a fight before when you were in junior high? And and you reply back with, well, then why don't you make me do it? Make me. This is the same verbiage being used in Scripture where God's saying, make it, make it. You have to take control. There's got to be something in you that says, "I am not going to waller in my tears anymore. I'm going to find courage. I'm going to find strength, and I'm going to dig something." What do you What do you have to do to to get a well? You got to pick up a shovel, and you got to start digging. You got to start digging. And so, locked inside the pain of the valley of Baca, is also a promise. And this is why this text began to jump out at me because here's a promise in Scripture. That we've read over and read over and read over and missed it and missed it and missed it. But when you get into the meat of the text and understand what it's saying, he's saying when you're passing through the Valley of Baca, that dry place, that sick place, that place where there's no hope, he says, I want you to make it a well. Want you to and here's the promise that's locked up inside this. The promise is this, is if you'll dig it, God will fill it. Because it says make it a well, and then the very next verse says the rain will fill the pool. So what it means is it means that we're not just going to sit around. This is, I think a lot of Christians give up on God because we spend our lives saying, God, bless my family. And we, we look up and we're, all of our attention is to God, which isn't a bad place to look. But we're saying, God, bless my marriage, bless, bless my finances, bless my kids, bless. And God's like, if you, you got to dig it first. So we got to dig a well and then look up and say, all right, God, fill it. Because behind every promise of God is the obedience of man. So, you want your marriage to flourish, fellas? Like, put on a button-up shirt and take your spouse to a place where they have cloth napkins, not paper ones. Right? What is that? That's digging a well. That's digging a well. You, you, you know, you want, you want your wife to, to to be attracted to you? Do the dishes. That's like the most attractive thing you could ever do, you know? Don't go to the gym. Do the dishes. That's, that's way more, you know, attractive. Um, finances. What? What's that? When you tithe, when you begin to become generous, when you begin to trust God with your finances, you know what that is? You're digging a well. You're digging a well. You're saying, God, I'm willing to show that I trust you with my, my money, with my, with my finances, and I'm going to tr- show it by laying it down. I'm, I'm going to lay it down. This is what Jesus did. It says that he loved you so much that he laid down his life. You know what he was doing? He was digging a well to prove to you how much he loved you. That there was an aspect of it that, that, that our obedience. So we have to work at this. Look, look at your neighbor and say, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Come on. I'm, entertain me. We do this at my church. Just If it's weird to you, just entertain me. It doesn't work, it doesn't work. Unless, you work it. unless you work it. you got to work it. There's an aspect of this that you have to dig a well. Hey, another one would be fun to say. I won't make you do it because we just did it. But can you dig it? Like That would be a really fun one to do. We won't do it though. So, so watch this. Here's what I want to encourage you with is the prophet Isaiah said this. He said, the scorched land will become a pool and the thirsty ground springs up water. You remember when Elisha in in the book of, in second Kings, uh, the prophet, Elisha came and he said, make this valley full of ditches. Remember that? If you don't remember, go back. It's in chapter three, second Kings chapter three. And it says, make this valley full of ditches. And then what happened? The rains came. But the rains came after the ditches were dug. So there's this piece of work. you, you got to work it. Remember, remember when God brought, the, brought the, the Israelites out of Egypt? And for, for years, manna just fell from heaven. Like Panera Bread cinnamon bagels just falling from the sky. Like, <laughs> glory to God. Like, that's, that's amazing. But right before they cross over into the promised land, guess what happens? Stops. Manna stops falling. Why? Because in the promised land, you would think the promised land is even going to be better. Like even better food's going to fall from the sky. But w- the, w- the Bible says that when, b- before they went over to the promised land, manna stops. They cross over to the other side. Now guess what they have to do? They got to pick up a shovel and dig a hole and plant a seed and cover it up and wait, W-A-I-T, and watch it sprout. And then they had to feel the wait of work, and they had to come in, and they had to harvest it and grind it, and they had to work, they had to work it out to get the same bread that before God had, and this is what it feels like sometimes when you first become a Christian, it's like everywhere you go, God's just speaking to you and showing you in scriptures and verses, and then you hit this dry spell. You know what that means? You got to work it now. God's like, I want you to pick up a shovel and dig a well, and if you'll dig a well, I'll fill it up. And so we apply this to our marriage, we apply this to our finances, we apply this to our relationships, we apply this in every area of our life, that if it it doesn't work unless we work it. And you know what, the best part about this is that when you dig a well, you're not the only one that drinks from it. Because they would go on this valley of Baca every year. It was a yearly journey. They they knew every year they were going to go through the same valley. And guess what? This year, they would stop and drink from a well that they dug last year. And this year, I would stop and and drink from a well that Kyle dug last year. And my friend Kyle, he calls me and encourages me and gets me, what is that? That's a well. That's a well that God has put in my life. And you have friends like that, and you have a church like that, that you can come to this place every year and get a a fresh anointing, a fresh call, a fresh word from God. And, And when you tithe, parents, when you serve your spouse, parents, Guess who else is going to drink from that well? Your kids. Your kids. Fellas, when your kids watch you open the door for your wife, you are teaching them. You are teaching them how to, train, how to, how to treat their wife. When, 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 you, when, you, when your kids see you having affection, and they're like, "Ooh, dad, stop. You know what? You're teaching them a healthy marriage. And when you fight in front of your kids, you know what? You're teaching them what a marriage looks like. And when you tithe, when, you, when, when your kids see you writing that check to the church or pulling over and giving money to that homeless person, guess what, guess what you're doing? You're digging a well that they will drink from when they're adults. And the generational impl, impl, uh, implications of that, it rolls through. And so we got to dig a well, not just for us. When you start a small group, guess what you're doing? You're digging a well, a well that other people can come and drink from it. You know, so, so everywhere we go, we're digging wells for us to get through the season and for those around us to come and drink from the same well. So we got the weight, W-A-I-T, we got the weight, W-E-I-G-H-T, we got the work, and number, number four, watch this in verse seven, it says they go from strength to strength. One translation says they go from pool to pool. So number four, on your journey, you will discover that there's also a wonder, a wonder. And, and really, journeys, we think of a journey or a pilgrimage as wandering, like W-A-N-D-E-R. Like I'm just just wandering around. But what this scripture speaks to me, at least, if it doesn't speak to anybody else, is that it's in my wandering that I can find the wonder of God. That I don't have to wait to get to the destination to see how great God is. That I can experience the goodness of God even in the Valley of Baca even in the place of weariness, even in this place. How? By going from strength to strength. And really, this has given us this, this really beautiful imagery of these these journey, these, these, these sojourners that would go from down through this Valley of Baca, and you can begin to see the image of this because he's challenging them to make a well. And the next year, you'll return to that well, and your kids will come to that well. So what it means is that while you're on this journey, so if this platform represents a journey— And that wall over there is my destination. If that wall is a healthy marriage, if that wall is me getting over cancer, if that wall is getting over losing someone, if that wall represents my finances coming into order, what it means is that it's on the journey that I can find the wonder of God and the love of God by going from pool. If this microphone represents a well that someone else dug, then it doesn't mean that I have to go from here all the way to that wall because that wall seems so far off. I can't imagine but I can can go from this well to that podium, that I can go from this strength to this strength. And this helps the journey, breaks up the journey and makes it more palatable. When I don't have to worry about accomplishing, overcoming cancer, fixing my marriage today, it's too far gone, it's too far lost, fixing my finances today, there's too much bankruptcy, there's too much bad decisions and bad choices. Yeah, but you can go from strength to strength. You can go from well to well. You can go to these places, the dry places, and if you get caught between wells and you've, you've, you've had the courage to leave this one, because this is part of the problem. Sometimes we get fed in one place and we never want to leave it. That this is church with pews and hymnals. And, oh, it's so good that I don't want to leave it, right? But, it, but if you ever get caught between wells, you know, you, know, you know what that means. If you're in a dry place and you can remember being fed before, but you don't see anything in the future, you know what that means? pull out your shovel and dig a well, dig a well. If you'll dig it, got to fill it. If you'll dig it, if you'll, if you'll work it, you'll work it till it works. So in the middle of my pilgrimage, I can find his power. And in, in the middle of weakness, I can find a willingness. I can find the ability to get over it. In the middle of my wandering, I can find God's wonder. If I look close enough, if I find that strength. And for many of you, even, even today, even today, this message is a, is a well for you, that, that you needed this, like you needed just some sort of encouragement. You know what I've noticed about God in, in my short life? Um, I've, I've realized that this is going to sound weird to you, and it is. God's not an American. <laughs> did, you know, did you know that God's not an American? That's weird to me. You know why I don't think he's an American? Because in America, we are consumed with this idea of independence, that, that we're independent We celebrate it, Independence Day. But I'm I'm not so sure God is as consumed with independence as we are. You know what God really likes? Dependence. He likes it when we can't figure it out. And we have to look to him and say, God, I'm just dependent upon you. And I can't get through this without you. And my, my marriage can't be fixed without you. And my finances can't be fixed without you. And I can't get rid of this loneliness and this pain and this hurt without you. And we become consumed with leaning not on our own understanding, but beginning to lean on God. I love this verse in Psalm 81.10. It says, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt. Watch this. I love these words. Open wide your mouth, and I will fill it. And I will fill it. That God wants to do something great when we just simply yield our lives to him and yield our tongues to him. Uh, uh, the, The great theologian Charles Spurgeon said it this way. He said, ours is the opening God's is the filling. God's job is to fill it. Our job is just to dig it. Our job is to make room, to make a space for God to come and do something great. So what I've discovered in all of this, and I pray that you'll begin to discover it too, that it's worth the wait. It's worth it. It's worth the W-A-I-T. But it's also worth the wait. W-E-I-G-H-T. It's worth it. For the single mom, it's worth it. For for the parents who you're trying to homeschool, you're trying to raise kids, you're trying to balance a career, you're trying to do all of these things, it's worth it. it it's worth the weight of it. For the person who's trying to overcome an addiction, it's worth the weight. If for the person who's trying to grow a business, it's worth the weight. For trying for the person and, and for the person who's trying to come closer to God and trying to just pursue the things of God, it's worth the weight of it. And so the way I kind of want to conclude this is to talk about this fifth aspect, and I want to go to verse seven to do this. It says, "They go from strength to strength until each appears before God in Zion." So there's this this point where he, he, he you go from strength to strength until until you get to this point where you appear, and it's at that point in verse in, in point number five. Write this down if you're taking notes. That I begin to trade my weight for his weight. That that God loves us so much that uh, he'll, he'll make this really amazing exchange for us if we'll just willingly give up this weight. I remember, um, man, I don't have a ton of time. I'm going to have to hurry. But, but M- Michelle and I took over a church about three years ago. The, staff, the church that Kyle and I were on staff together at, uh, the, the senior pastor had a moral failure. Terrible situation, big church. And they looked at me to be the senior pastor, and I was like, you're out of your mind. Like, you're crazy. I've never done this. Kyle was a mentor to me. He says I was a mentor to him. It's actually the opposite. I was in higher education. I was a vice president at a university. I've got a master's in education. I've got a doctorate in education. That was my path, and God ripped me up and put me in ministry. And they looked at me and said, you're the senior pastor. I'm like, have you guys lost your mind? Like, are you crazy? I've never preached. I don't know. I don't know how to do any of this. And I remember the weight. Like I can barely talk about it without getting emotional because I remember the heaviness of that. And I remember every night I would just pray, God, I, you have to take this. You have to take this weight. I can't, I can't. And every night I would, I would pray these prayers. I would pray this prayer. And if you, if, you have a fail, if you have difficulty sleeping at night, you'll pray these two prayers, and you'll drift off to sleep. I would pray this prayer. I would say, first off, I'd say, God, if there's somebody better fit to lead this organization than me, then I submit my resignation, and I'm willing to do something more difficult. That kept my heart pure. And then I would pray the second prayer, and this is a bold prayer. I would say, God, this is your problem, not mine. Because really it is. Why do we think we can carry the weight of these things? And I would say, God, if it's okay with you, I'm going to go to bed because you want me well rested. And if you need me, wake me up. I'm here. You wake me up. Now, he'll have to wake me up hard because I'm a deep sleeper. But, God, you wake me up. If you need me, you just wake me And sometimes he would. And sometimes he would. But I would say, God, I'm just going to believe that while I'm sleeping, you're working. And so, I, and I could literally, whew, Really talk about it. Every night, I could literally, tangibly feel the weight, go And then ask my wife, I'd be like, But this is the promise that God gives us that we rarely take advantage of. He, he offers this to us, and we rarely take advantage of it. Let me show you. in Matthew 11:28, it says, "Come to me, all who are weary and burdened and weighed down." And going through the valley of Baca, and I will give you rest. So come to him. And then he says this, and and then I want you to take my yoke, and I want you to learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Well, that's interesting. We talked about souls. What's the soul? The mind, the will, and the emotion. So God promised to bring rest to our soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So when when the weight of life hits us, God gives us this promise. And it happened all through scripture. Remember when Moses, when, remember when God came to Moses and He said, I'm sending you onto the promised land, but I'm not going to go with you, because you're a stiff-necked people, and if I go with you, I'm going to kill all of you. Like, <laughs> thanks, God. That's really encouraging. But this is in Exodus 33. And 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 Moses talks him out of it. Moses is like, God, please, you know, if you don't go with us, then don't send us, you know. And and so God relents and he says, Okay, I'll go with you. And you know what the very next words Moses said? Show me your glory. Now, show me your glory. Now, do you know what the word glory means in the in the Old Testament? In the Hebrew, the word glory is the Hebrew word kavad, and it literally means wait. Wait. W-E-I-G-H-T. And so what this means, he you know what Moses was praying? God, I need you to weigh in to my situation. So we started this day by weighing in. What's weighing on you? I think the only fitting way to conclude this message is for us to shift our thinking to say, no longer is it that's weighing on me. I'm, I'm passing that weight over to God. And I'm saying, God, now show me your glory. Show me your weight. Here's the scale, God. And the weight of life has tipped it. I need you to come in, God, and balance the scales back out and make this manageable. And you know what the very next verse said? The very next verse, after, after Moses said, show me your glory, God said this. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. When? When did that happen? When Moses said, I need your help, God. It's too heavy. Can't carry this weight anymore. Remember, I'll conclude with this. Remember when Paul, Paul like went through more than all of us put together. He was flogged. He was beaten. He was abused. He was thrown in prison. Nowhere did the guy went. Was he not ridiculed and abused and abandoned and all the things that that we wrestle with? And this is how Paul summed up his pain. This is how Paul summed up the weight of everything that was weighing on him in 2 Corinthians 4, 17. He said it this way, for our light affliction, Light Are you kidding me and then he says this, which is but for a moment is working for us what my pain is working for me my pain is doing something that I don 't know about my pain has a purpose my pain is, is he said he said that pain that weight is actually working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight in glory that We're just, just, just like they were passing through the Valley of Baca, we are just passing through this earth. We're just passing through. There is a far greater weight, the weight of glory, the weight of eternity. And so I want us to close like this. Would you stand to your feet with me? The band's going to come. Here's what I love about Pastor Kyle's heart in this church is I want you to know that, you know, a sermon's good and a sermon's. Decent, but really, let's let's be honest. At the end of the day, a sermon is is but a vapor. I, I don't remember what I preached last year, and I preached it. Do you know where the real work comes? Is whenever we conclude the message, because if we just leave here and everybody walks out the door, you'll you'll remember. Yeah, there was a tall guy I think with some super skinny jeans. That's all I remember. I don't I don't really remember anything else. Something, but you know you know what we'll remember is if we'll just get out of the way for a minute and let the Holy Spirit do something, because. God speaking to you and the Holy Spirit doing something in you will last far greater than any sermon ever could that God can do something as we worship him in just a moment, as we meditate on him and close our eyes and focus on that, not lunch, not that my belly's growling, none of those things. If I'll focus in that God can do something miraculous in my life if I'll just turn to him in these moments. And I love how this psalmist concluded this whole chapter. It was a verse that you may may recognize when I read it, but it's it's a verse that now that you know the context of the Valley of Baca, watch this, in verse 10, concluded with this. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere that was the psalmist's conclusion that yeah the valley's hard yeah it's difficult yeah this is really really hard but i would give it all for just one more moment in your presence father we thank you for your presence we thank you that you're here god my prayer is that i would get out of the way so that your holy spirit can come and speak to us, and lead us, and guide us, and comfort us. God, I pray for the person in the room who's going through a valley. God, that it would be in these moments as we sing this song, as we focus in on you, that you would come and heal, and encourage, and love, and lift us up in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship.